We serve an awesome God. Amen. He is worthy. Worthy, worthy, worthy of all praise. Open your Bibles with me, if you would, to the book of Galatians, and we are in chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and we will start reading in verse 16. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, when you got it, say so. And the word of the Lord says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for your truth, God, that sets us free. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness. And Holy Spirit, we just surrender to you and we ask you right now, God, speak to us. Give us ears to hear what you are saying to your church. Reveal unto us, Lord God, the Son. Reveal unto us your grace on a deeper level, God. Change us, my God, that we may reflect your glory, your image better and more. God, that you may be glorified in us, Lord God. We pray today that our flesh would bow to your spirit, God, that our hearts would be open to you and that we would respond to you in faith as doers of your word, not hearers alone. God, we pray all of these things believing, and we thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' good name. Someone said... You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hey, I'm Ryan. I'm a Christian, and this is my story. Growing up, I never missed going to church. And when I was 12, I accepted Christ as my Savior. I, I was even baptized. It, it undoubtedly was a very important decision. It even affected how I lived in high school. I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I had fun on the weekends. I had a girlfriend, a couple, but I was a normal high school kid. College was one big blur, but I did make it to church out of obedience. And after school, I married a great girl, and she's been a great influence on me. Life's been good. I have a house, three kids. I couldn't ask for more. I mean, sure, I worry about my future. I mean, my marriage, it could be better. And I need to spend more time with my kids, but, but things will be all right. I have my faith. You may not hear me talk about it a lot, but that's, it's just because it's personal. But don't worry for me. My Jesus is real. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 
And we look at this guy's life, I think that we see a lot of people that we know that call themselves Christians. That's how they are. Seems like everything is good. They feel like everything is all right. And the reason why I showed that video is because when we're talking about the message of grace, grace is not just some message that we hear. Grace should really change us. Grace should really transform us. Grace doesn't mean we don't have problems, amen? It doesn't mean that we don't have issues. It doesn't mean that we don't go through hardship. It doesn't mean that we don't struggle in our spirituality and our relationship with God. That's not what grace means. What grace means is that we've been empowered to overcome those things. We've been empowered to live through those things. We've been empowered not to be hypocritical. And I just love the title of it, and it is that, you know, Plastic Jesus. Jesus is not plastic, amen? He is a glorious and powerful God. And so as we are in the book of Galatians, we are dealing with um, the, the message of grace and our memory verse, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Raise your hands if you have memorized it. Come on, lift those hands up if you've memorized it. Now, would anybody be so bold as to come up here and lead us in it? Come on, come on, somebody. I know, I know there's somebody that's bold enough. You got it? Come on, come on up here. Let me get a microphone. Glory to God. Got a young man. He said, yes, Bishop, I'm ready. Hold on one second. Glory to God. He's going to preach today, too. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Glory to God. Here you go, man. Is it on? Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's take it. There you go. For freedom. Christ has set us free. Christ has set us free. Um, stand, for, stand firm. Yes. Um, therefore. Yes. Do not submit again to the yoke of bondage or slavery. Yes. Amen. Good job. Good job. Thank you. For freedom. For freedom. Let's say it together. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. For freedom. Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Amen. Glory to God. So we want to get someone. So, I'm a, so now you're prepared. Next week, I'm going to do that again. So y'all practice real well. Amen. So I get a bunch of hands up and be like, yo, Bishop, I got this this week. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. So that's good. And like, we, like we've said, for those of you that are with us for the first time, the reason why this is so very important to us, that scripture, is because that, is, that, that scripture encapsulates the entire book of Galatians. And what the Apostle Paul is talking about it is that we have been set free by the power of grace, and now we are able to stand firm in that grace. We're able to live our lives in a way that bring glory and honor to Jesus. And so we want to make sure that we don't try to do that in our flesh, in our own abilities are by us simply obeying or trying to obey the laws of the, the laws of God. So if you don't have an outline, raise your hand. I'm sorry, I should have done that earlier. But if you don't have an outline, raise your hand. We want to make sure everyone has an outline. And that way you can follow along with me as we read here. My son is turning the lights off. Glory to God. He's got quick hands. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He's like, Dad, it's time to go. Son, I'll tell you when it's time to go, all right? Glory to God. All right. If you need it, need, 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 need a handout, raise your hand, keep it up so we can make sure you get one. It's important that you have these, you're able to answer some questions, able to take some notes. Um, I don't expect you to remember every single thing that is communicated, but I think that it's important for you to write down some things that speak to your heart, some things that deal with your life, and that way you can go back and you can reference those. Um, it's really important that you do that, especially throughout your week. It'll help to solidify whatever it is that the Lord is speaking to you. 
And so now that we all have an outline, the first thing is last week we learned, and the reason why I watched this video is because last week we learned that grace must be training us. We learned in the book of Titus, it talks about grace trains us, and so that grace should be training us and that its training is not solely internal transformation. What God does is not something that is only on the inside of us, but what happens is what is going on on the inside should be reflected on the outside. And so it is also an external demonstration of a life that is being conformed to the image of its Savior. And understand this, you are not trying to become more of a moral person. You are not trying to become a better law keeper. You are trying to do what? You are trying to reflect the image of your Savior better. That is the goal of Christianity. It's not... it is not to be holier than thou. It is to be like the one who died for you. Amen? And so it's so important for us that we keep that in mind because a lot of times as Christians, we just look at, or as human beings in general, we just look at the things that we can do in order to be moral or in order to be good people. And God is not looking for good people. He's looking for people that look like him. Did you hear me? He's not looking for good people. He's not looking for people that just do good stuff or people who don't do bad things. He's looking for people that reflect his image, that bear his image and his character in their lives. And so the gospel frees us, this is in your outline, the gospel frees us from sin, shame, and judgment into a relationship with God that is based upon the work of Jesus, our faith in him, and our repentance of our sins. And notice this, grace is not a right to ignore our sins, past, past present or future, but a means by which we can really deal with our sins. And so I want to continue to reiterate this as we go through this message and dealing with this gospel of grace. It is that grace does not say, hey man, just live how you want to live, just be whatever you want to be, but it says this is the way that we deal with sin. And that is sins that we commit, and that is also sins that are committed against us. See, because they're twofold. A lot of times we think about the cross in one dimension, that the cross only deals with my sin. The cross only offers me forgiveness. But here is the problem. The problem is that everyone in this room has been sinned against in some way, shape, or form. And what I mean by that is that someone has sinned against you. Someone has done something to wrong you, whether they lied about you, talked about you, whether you were abused as a child, abused as an adult, whether people spoke down to you, whether people are mistreating you now. Everyone has been sinned against. And what happens is many of us experience forgiveness and we experience this part over here here, but we never experience full and total freedom because we haven't dealt with the sins against us. But the gospel gives us a way to deal with those things because Jesus paid the price for you and all of your sins, and here it is, and also he paid the price for all the sins of those that are committed against you. So he died for those who hurt you just as much as he died for you, and I know that that's hard to swallow sometimes because you're like, God, I want them to die. I'm just saying, like, I never want to see them again. I never want to have to deal with them again. And they're right there in your family. Hello. (laughs) Or they're right there in your workplace or wherever they are. And so God gives you a means. And how do you deal with that? Well, you deal with it by grace. You don't deal with it like, you know, well, I'm just going to ignore them. I'm not going to talk to them anymore. That's not gospel. Is that gospel, church? 
That's not the way that a Christian should be. Well, I'm just keeping that arm's length. Wait a second. We're supposed to deal with sin. And so that is what the gospel of grace does. And so a grace-filled life, and this morning we're going to talk about walking in the spirit of grace, and that would be a life that is grace-filled, a life that is spirit-filled, is a product of the power of the Holy Spirit working within our hearts based upon the revelation of Jesus, what Jesus has done for us, who we become by faith in him, how he responds, how we respond to him and worship and that you and I have been called to join him on his mission. This is what a life that is grace-filled looks like. We get this revelation of Jesus by the Holy Spirit who continues to remind us of what Jesus has done. He continues to remind us of who we are and as a result what happens is the Holy Spirit provokes us to worship and honor and glorify God and the Holy Spirit reminds us as well that we have been called not just to be worshipers of God in song and not just to be worshipers of God in obedience, but also to be missionaries with God who are out there reaching those with this message of grace that has changed our lives. And that is what a grace-filled life looks like, church. Not a person who is living in sin, living unrighteously, living defeated. And, and, and again, I want to reiterate, because you go through hardship or difficulty, that doesn't signify defeat. That can all be a process that God is taking you through. Defeated is when your life doesn't look anything like him. God wants us to bear his image. And so walking in the spirit, which is what the first verse here says in verse 16. Remember the apostle Paul throughout chapters 1 through 4, he has given us some real, um, some real understanding as to how the gospel of grace works. And he's given us some good comparisons and he's shown us some awesome stuff. But now in these chapters 5 and 6, as he's closing the book, he wants to give us some practical ways to live out our faith, to live out this gospel, some practical ways that we can measure this. And so what he does in verse 16 is he says I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh and let me say this walking in the spirit is how we progressively and consistently grow in grace Walking in the Spirit, walking in relationship with the Holy Spirit, walking in submission to the Holy Spirit is the way that you and I continue to grow in grace. It's not just by learning more of what the Scripture says. Please understand this. Whenever I talk about meditating on the Scriptures, which I'll talk about it in a moment again, whenever I talk about that, I'm not just talking about you sitting down and reading dead words in a dead scenario. What I'm talking about is you sitting down in the presence of the Spirit of God with the word of God that he breathed into other men for us that he is still breathing because the Bible says that the word of God is living and active. That's what the scripture said. In other words, this Bible that we have is not just some dead words, but they are words that are continually being breathed. And so every time that I sit down with the spirit of God and I sit down with the word of God, I am literally sitting down with the breath of God who is breathing into me the life for me to be able to do what? To be able to live out the word of God. That is the power of grace. And so when I talk about that, what I am saying is, as we meditate on his word, what we are doing is we are saying, God, breathe into my life. Breathe new life into me. Breathe new life into my spirit. Give me fresh hope. Give me fresh vision. Give me fresh passion. Give me fresh zeal. And it's not something that you conjure up or you work up. It is a work of grace that God does. And so don't ever look at looking at the scripture as being legalistic. No. Look at it as sitting down in the presence of your God as he speaks to you. Repeat this after me, please. Say, we choose... By what, inspiration, By what inspiration we will live our lives. Live our 
We choose by what inspiration we will live our lives. The Apostle Paul turns this on us, and he says here, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And so we see that there is a lust, and when you look at the word lust, I want you to know this. When you read it today, whenever you think of the word lust, you think of something that is nasty. But the word lust all by itself simply means big passion or great passion. That's what that word means. And what makes it negative or positive is what surrounds it, right? And so when he's talking about lust, he's talking about desire. And so when you have a desire, what does desire do? Desire inspires. Say, desire inspires. And so what happens is we decide which inspiration we're going to live at. Now notice what the Apostle Paul does. Our memory verse says what? It says, for freedom, Christ has set us free, stand firm. So the first thing he says in the beginning of chapter 5, when he begins to get real practical with us on how to live out this gospel of grace, what he says is this. He says the first thing is you need to stand firm. The first thing you have to do is you have to stand firm. And when I was thinking about this in, 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 in application, I thought about my son. My son is nine months old. And so, you know, just recently, he's, you know, he's, he's not standing by himself yet, but, you know, he can stand like, you know, he does squats in the playpen. You know, he like grabs with his hands here and then he's like doing squats. I'm like, all right, son, getting ready. Glory to God. And so, you know, he's, he does those things. He's not ready to walk yet. But the moment that he can balance himself and he can stand the next thing that is going to be automatic for him is going to be running because he just runs. Like you put him in the walker, homeboy is like his feet hit the ground and he's like, Pshaw. so I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, you know, the moment that he gets his balance, homie is going to be running and he's going to be breaking his face. And so that's, that, that's scary, especially because I have a lot of time. But anyway, the point of the matter is when you think about your children, your children didn't just like pop up and start walking, did they? No. What they did was they, they started standing first. And once they were able to stand and they got their balance and they realized, okay, I don't have to hold on to the couch. And, you know, they, they, they were able to get themselves. Once they got themselves to that position, then they started to take those steps and they begin to walk. And, you know, for some of you, you got a video of that and you have a great memory and you cried. Oh, my goodness. He took or she took a great, you know, first step. And, you know, awesome thing, right? But here's what, if you look at this in a relational sense with your God, it's the same thing for us. When we come to Jesus, we have to learn to stand. And what do we stand in? Our works? No. What do we stand in? Our ability? Absolutely not. What do we stand in? The church that we go to? What do we stand in? The denomination that we're part of? What do we stand in? Our heritage of Christianity? What do we stand in? We stand in the grace of God. And once we learn how to stand in that grace, the next step is we begin to walk. And so Paul says, stand firm in your freedom. Stand firm in this freedom this, that the gospel declares. And once our faith is rooted firmly in Christ and we are standing in it, we must then walk in its power. Once we are standing in the gospel of grace, the greatest test of all to really see if you have balance is to do what? Walk. Is that, is that, that not true? Greatest test, okay, once a child, okay, the great, does, does, does he really know how to balance? Well, you're going to know once he takes his first step. 
You're going to know if he's got the balance thing down. And you know what's going to happen? Here's what happens. It's the same thing happens to all of us in our spiritual lives. The first step, wobbling, sometimes you fall right after that first step. Maybe get two steps, and, 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 and eventually you start more steps. And before you know it, you're running, you're doing amazing stuff. You know, you go from being a person like my son who is doing squats in a playpen to doing squats on national television somewhere, you know, doing gymnastics somewhere, doing flips somewhere. And why? Well, because they learned one principle. What was that? They learned how to stand. That's all they did. Everything you see anybody do that has to do with their body or anything that you're like, man, that is so amazing. You want to know what they had to do before they could do any of that? Stand. They had to stand. Every one of us. And so you want to, I don't know about you, but I want to be the most, the, the best Christian I can be for the glory of Jesus. And you want to know what? I realize the key to that is me learning how to stand. And, and here, here is the beauty of grace, is that grace is a continual thing. It is not something that you just get one day. In every area of your life, you continue to learn grace. See, we start to learn grace in our relationship, and I'm forgiven. But then in my marriage, you know what I got to do? I got to learn how to stand in grace in my marriage as well. In my parenting, I have to learn how to stand in grace as well in my parenting. In my workplace, I have to learn to stand in grace as well so that way I can walk it out and other people can see Jesus and I can share that with them. But more than that, it is so I can bring glory and honor to my Father in heaven. And it is that way, that is the way that you and I learn how to walk. It is by us learning how to stand. So Paul says, stand in this grace, stand in this, and then he tells us to walk. The gospel of grace is not just a message, but it is a life-changing truth empowered by the spirit of grace. And so when you look at this word walk, what it means is this. It means, one, it means to make one's way. It means to make progress. It means to make due use of opportunities. In the Hebrew, it means to live, to regulate one's life, or to conduct oneself, or to pass one's life. In other words, what he's saying is, in all of your life, in every area of your life, do what? Walk in the Spirit. He says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if I'm walking in the Spirit, here's, here, here, this, is, this is truth. If I am really walking in the Spirit, if I am really walking in tune with the Spirit of God, then you know what that means? That means that I am not fulfilling my lustful desires. That means that I am not living for myself, but I'm living for His glory. That's what it means. We must realize that God has made all provision for us on the cross for us to be forgiven. In his resurrection, he made all provision for us to have the power over sin. And in his ascension, he does what? He sends the Holy Spirit to do what? To fill us so that we can live this life and bring glory and honor to his name. But here is the big point for you today. It is your choice. You and I choose to walk in the spirit or to walk in the flesh. He does not choose for us. Did you hear me? It is our choice. We make the choice every day, every decision. We choose, am I going to walk in the spirit or am I going to walk in the flesh? Which one am I going to do? That's a choice that you have to make. God is not going to make the choice for you. God already gave you the command. God already gave you the grace. He already gave you everything. He empowers us to be able to do this, but you and I are the ones who make the choice to do what? We either submit to the ever-present help of the Holy Spirit or we submit to the lingering temptation of our sinful nature. It's one of the two. 
We are either more inspired by our fleshly desires than we are of God, or we are more inspired by the grace of God than we are by our fleshly desires. The reason why I continue to remind you of the gospel is because it is my hope that you will not tire of hearing it, but that you will be reminded weekly and that you will stand in awe of the most important thing that there is, and it is that God came to this earth and died for us. Why is that so important, church? Because life sucks. Did you hear me? I hope you woke up and you were sleeping. That's why I said that. But listen, it does. It sucks. I mean, things are hard. And you know what? It is so easy to forget what is most important. It is so easy to forget this gospel is what matters. What should inspire me is not the answer to my problem. It is the one who will walk through my problem with me. And so if I never get the answer I want, I get the one who I want to walk with me. And that is more important. And I know that he's going to walk with me. He's never going to leave me nor forsake me me but why is that because I'm cute because I'm good because he feels bad for me no no and no it is because he died for me he paid a price for me it is because of him and what he did and so he put his signature on the dotted line and said you are mine and I will walk with you but when did he do that he did that on the cross he did that for us and so if we are not overwhelmed by grace and we are not overwhelmed by the gospel we will be overwhelmed by our fleshly desires and our situations that we're going through. And so we must be reminded continually of this grace, this amazing grace that God offers us and extends to us. The second thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, we can't ignore the battle that we are in. We cannot ignore the battle that we are in. Look at verse 17 through 18. It says, for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are no longer under the law. He said, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit. You are not under the law. We can't ignore the battle that's going on. We can't ignore what is going on inside of our hearts. See, it's real easy to look at someone else's life and go, oh, yeah, they're going through something. I don't want you to look at someone else. I want you to look right here. I want you to look in the mirror because everyone sitting in this room is in a battle. And it is a soul battle. It is an internal battle. It is a battle that we go through every day. And the scriptures confirm that we're going to go through this. I love what one author said. He said, the evil nature is not eradicated. Its power over the believer is broken and the believer need not obey it. In other words, what he's saying is, your sinful nature doesn't leave, but its power is broken. Your sinful nature doesn't go anywhere. And, and what happens to us usually as Christians, I mean, I don't know, but I, I know me. I, I, I promise you this, and, and, I, and, I, and I, don't, I do not say this boasting in any way, shape, or form. But like the first three months of being a Christian, I promise you I didn't sin. 
Listen, I'm ser- I am serious. I have never been as holy as I was the first three months of being a Christian. After that, you know, almost 20 years later, I can't say the same thing. Glory to God. But I can tell you for the first three months of being a Christian, I mean, I, I, could, get, I-, I could break it down. I won't do that right now. But I'm just letting you know, I did not sin. It, it was, I mean, I was like holy. And-, and I know I was sinning. But what I'm saying is I was walking according to, you know, the power of the Spirit of God. I wasn't intentionally offending God. I mean, I was living this life. And I, and- and I mean, I was just... I mean, me and Jesus were just together. Here's what happens to many of us. You have an encounter with God. That may last you a month. That may last you a week. That may last you a year. But you experience this freedom from sin. You experience this liberty that you never thought was possible. Your desires change. You no longer want this that you used to want. You no longer do the things you did before. And whenever you start to do something, you get convicted. And you immediately turn from it, right? And so what happens is that goes on. But then all of a sudden, one day, you wake up and you're like, I don't feel like praying today like I did yesterday. And suddenly you start to think about things. You're like, why am I thinking about that? Why is that? Why am I having that memory come back? You want to know why? Because your old friend there ain't gone anywhere. He was just looking for an opportunity just to come in, and you stood up late that night or whatever it was, and you're like, all right, I got you right now. Come on, just hang out with me a little bit. And that is what our sinful nature does. Our sinful nature comes to us in that way. And so what happens is we have to recognize that we are in a battle. No matter how holy you are, no matter how much Bible you read. Listen, I'm telling you, I've been a Christian. It's going to be in July. It'll be 20 years that I've been a Christian. And I can promise you that I have yet to come to the place that I don't battle. Now, there are some days that I feel like I'm walking on water. There's other days that I'm like, Peter, Lord, save me. I'm just saying. Some days I'm like, Lord, we are on this thing. We are doing this. And then other days I like looked away. I saw something else. And he's like, come on, son, get up here. Just why did you turn away from me? Why did you look away from me? Just focus on me. And, and it happens to us. We struggle with this. And Paul is not denying the struggle that's there. As a matter of fact, if you read the book of Romans chapter 7, it's probably the, one of the most confusing chapters you will ever read. The apostle Paul is like, the thing that I will to do, I do not do. And the thing that I will to do, I, do, or, or, I will not to do. That's the thing that I'm doing. To th- I mean, he's, he just confuses me. But what he's talking about, in a nutshell, is this. He's saying, look, in my flesh, in my own ability, in my own will, even though I know God and I know his laws, there's a another law that's in operation inside of me. There's my sinful nature that is working. And you know what? It's not within my will or within my ability to simply obey the commands of God. I need the grace of God. That's what chapter 7 is all about. It's not a license to sin because some people read chapter 7 like, well, well, Paul is like, he's an apostle of apostles and the thing that he willed to do, he's not doing. The thing that he hates to do, that's what he's doing. So that's me. No, what Paul was saying is, that I am trying to obey the law in my own zeal, in my own fervor, in my own will, and not depending on grace. And what he's saying, I can't do it like that. I cannot accomplish the will of God. And that's what he's saying here in this verse when he says in verse 17, he says, for the flesh lusts against the spirit. And so the flesh has what? It has desires. It says the next part of the verse, it says these two, these are contrary to one another. In other words, there are two opposing forces that are in operation in our lives. There are two opposing things. And so when I, and I'll just use the, the, the example of marriage. In my marriage, when I want, because I want to obey God and because I really do love my wife, I want to love her like Christ loves the church and then she you know it's just whatever happens happens and then all of a sudden I'm in this battle is it because she did whatever no it's because I'm in the flesh are y'all gonna say amen to that I got like one amen in the back (laughs) 
So I don't want to put it on her because it's really, it, 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 she could not do anything. She could just say something I just didn't like. And she wasn't being sinful. She wasn't being anything. And just something rises up in me. What is that something? It's my sinful nature. That is lusting. It's like, yo, don't love her like Christ loved the church. But I want to love her like Christ loved the church. And then I find myself. And so we'll battle with these type of things. And so Paul is saying these things are contrary one to the other. And he says this, and, 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 and they're like this, so that you do not do the things that you wish. What, is it, what does he mean by that? So you don't do the things that you wish. So he's saying there's this battle going on inside of you so you don't do the things that you wish. What does he mean there? What he's saying is this battle is going on inside of you so you cannot give, it, give glory to your will for doing what you wanted to do to glorify God. That's what he's saying. He's saying it's so you don't do the things that you wish. You don't will it to, for you to be holy. It, it doesn't happen that way. You don't just wake up one day and say, well, I'm going to be holy today. You don't just do that. You may have said that, but I promise you the grace of God empowers you or not. Hello. That's the bottom line. And so we decide these things. Well, I'm going to live and I'm going to do this. And how many of us, we make, you know, New Year's resolutions or weekly resolutions. I don't know how you do it. But anyway, you know, we make a commitment. I'm, the next week, I'm going to start getting up to pray. Next week, I'm going to start reading these chapters in the Bible. Six weeks later, you're still saying next week. Right? And so what do we need? We need more grace, not more law. We need more grace. And then, and then here's what we need to do. We need to also listen to like common sense, like go to bed earlier. Hello. Because then we want extra grace. Like I need extra grace because I decided to stay up late. and I, God, I'm going to get up tomorrow even though I stood up to 1 o'clock in the morning. No, you're not. No, you are not. No, I'm not. I'm saying me too, okay? Just me. I'm just like you. I do it all the time, and I'm, say, and I'm confessing my sin to you. I do it all the time. I'm like, you know what? Tomorrow morning, I'm getting up at 5, even though I went to bed at 1. I'm like, God, when that alarm goes off, I'm getting up, and I do. I get up to change it to like 6.30. Because I'm not like my wife. My wife just hit snooze. Like, she's got this system, like, snooze for, like, five times. I hate the snooze button. That's, like, the most, because right when I'm falling back to sleep, rah, 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 and I'm like, what is that? That's like, oh, my goodness. Anyway, so what I'm saying is it's the same thing. Sin, right, my, my, my sinful nature wants to do what? Is sleep sin? Raise your hand if you think sleep is sin. Keep your hands down. Nobody thinks sleep is sin. I'm just saying, right? So, so, sleep is not sin. Let's just clarify that, Okay. But here's the deal. The deal is that if I don't rest, then what am I going to do? I'm going to go against my spiritual desire to pursue God passionately because what? Because I'm tired, right? And so the point is I need to make sure that I am depending on grace but that I'm also using some common sense. Amen? The battle we are engaged in teaches us to depend upon grace, not works. Not because we fail so much in our obedience, but... Through our greatest efforts to obey and honor God, we realize our obedience is not a product of our own ability. It is not within our nature to obey. It is not something we just will to do. What do we need to obey? We need the supernatural power of God. That is the reason why the Holy Spirit has to dwell in us. We can't obey God just on our own just because we want to. We can do some things that God says to do, and we can do them because we will. But here's the thing. Living a life, not just, not just one moment, living a life that brings glory and honor to God continually and consistently will never happen in your own power or my own power. 
So to live or to walk in the Spirit, he says in, the, in, in, in verse 18, he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So what, what, what does it mean in, the, in, in, in verse 16? He says to walk in the Spirit. So to live or to walk in the Spirit means that we must learn to be what? Led by the Spirit. And so what happens is I am going to walk in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit is leading me. And so this analogy I'll give you, it is like walking with your child. The way that my child knows which way I'm going is because I am holding their hand and I am leading them. Are you hearing me? Or once my child gets a little bit older, I don't need to hold their hand because they know my voice. And what can I do? I can say, hey, stop. I can say, turn to the right. We're going to go left here. You see what I'm saying? So it's that directive thing that I learned to be led by the Holy Spirit. I learned for the Holy, I learned to, to, to submit to the Holy Spirit's leading. So how is it that we do this? Well, the disciplines of faith. And what do I mean by disciplines of faith? Number one is prayer. Another one is worship. Another one is meditation upon the scripture. Another one is faith. Fellowship with saints, and yes, fellowship with saints, coming to church, hello somebody, that is part of a discipline of faith. If not, it would be easy for everyone to get up and be here on time. Amen, somebody. I'm just saying, glory to God. I, I mean, I, I'm just, it's, it, it's tough, man. It's a discipline, right, to be able to get up. And, and sometimes, especially on Sunday, you know, you work all week long. And, you know, sometimes your Saturday is just absolutely insane. And, and, and Sunday morning comes, you're like, man, can I just sleep in? It's happened to me. It happened to me today. <laughs> Glory to God. I was like, Lord, I'm going to call Pastor Robert. Bro, just preach today, man. Here, I'm going to send you my notes. Just look over them, bro. You'll be good to go. <laughs> I was tired, man. I had a, yesterday, was, I, I never walked so much in my life. My daughter and I, we walked like, it was amazing how, how long we walked. We walked from like 426 all the way, no, 434 to 426, and then from 426 home. We were carless yesterday. Glory to God. It's amazing. It's an amazing day. So I don't want to be standing up. That's why I'm leaning so much on the pulpit today. I'm just depending on a, I'm just kidding. But anyway, I woke up this morning. That alarm clock went off. And, I, and let me tell you something. I didn't even wait till the, to, 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 to the, you know, the, snoo, the, the alarm went off. I normally get up on Sunday mornings at 4 o'clock in the morning. No joke. This morning, I was like, okay, we're going to get up at 4.50. Amen? I put my clock at 4.50. I'm like, I need 50 extra minutes. When that thing, as a matter of fact, my son... Because he is amazing, and now he's trying to get into our bed. And so at some point in the night, he's just like, he just gets rambunctious, and so we just bring him right to the bed, and then he gets calm for some reason. I don't know. But anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so um, we got to sleep, right? So anyway, he comes in my bed. Guess what time he comes in my bed? 4.40. It's like, thank you, son. Lay hands on you right now. I roll, I roll out of my bed, get on my knees, and I'm like, Lord, thank you so much for this day. I'm like, can I call Pastor Robert, Lord? <laughs> no, okay, I'll get up. I'm going. I'm on my way. <laughs> but seriously, all jokes aside, I rolled out of my bed. I laid, got, got on my knees, and I'm like, Jesus, thank you for waking me up. I can feel my, my eyes are so heavy because it's just one of, one of those days. You know, you know how that, you know what I'm talking about? Glory to God. I'm ready for spring break, as you can see. So anyway. It happened to me today. It happens. It happens. It happens to us all the time. And I don't, I don't want to do this. And so coming to church is a discipline. Prayer is a discipline. Worship is a discipline. Reading of scripture is a discipline. Discipline is not a bad word. Hello. Sometimes we equate discipline with legalism. It's not true. 
It's not true. Discipline is about relationship. When I want to grow in this relationship, I have to do certain things. I have to be part and, and participant in this relationship with Jesus. I have to let the Lord deal with me and do whatever he's going to do in my heart. But here's why those disciplines become so important. Because when I am disciplined in prayer and I'm disciplined in worship, and let me say this, discipline does not mean perfect. Did you hear me? Discipline does not mean perfect. Because we think, oh man, you know, I, I missed today or I missed this day or I didn't read all of the scripture I was supposed to read. Whatever it is, that you, and, and, and we begin to feel this condemnation. God doesn't want us to feel condemnation. He wants us to walk in relationship, right? But discipline means that we grow in certain areas. We start to know what things we can say yes to, when we can say yes, what things we say no to. We, we start to understand these type of things. And so what happens is when we have these disciplines in our life, the way that we learn to be aligned with the Holy Spirit is because, number one, we're in prayer, we're in his word, we're together with the body of Christ, we're in worship and so the Holy Spirit begins to attune our hearts to him he begins to align our lives with him and then also what he begins to do is he begins to affirm the decisions we're making as being his leading or not this is what he does and so we learn to be led because what? We walk in these disciplines and then as we live our lives we live in dependence upon the Holy Spirit, right? Amen? One of, the worst, one, 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 one of the worst bumper stickers that you will ever see. And I, I want you to know that I do not go out to the parking lot to check your cars because I could care less about all that, okay? So if this bumper sticker is on your car, I am not talking to you intentionally. It's the Holy Spirit leading you to take this bumper sticker off. <laughs> just want to make that disclaimer. You see, you, you've seen it. Jesus is my co-pilot. You seen that one? Or God, Jesus, right, right. I'm like, hold up, man. If he's your co-pilot, what does the co-pilot do? The co-pilot's like, hey, go there and you just listen or not, right? No, he should be the pilot, right? I'm just saying. He should, he should be the one in the driver's seat. Now, not literally, like don't sit in the passenger seat like, go on, Jesus. You know, y'all going to leave here today and be like, yo, Bishop, want to crack jokes, right? Jesus going to be the pilot. I'm going to sit here. Go ahead, drive. That, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is while you are sitting in that seat, you are under the submission and control to Jesus. That means, amen, somebody. I'm not even going to get into that because, you know, y'all, anyway, just think about this. Is the Holy Ghost leading you the way you're driving? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. And when they cut you off, is he still leading you, amen? I'm just saying because I be in worship deep like glory to God and someone cuts me off. I'm like, yo, what's up, man? Right? Like, I go from spirit to flesh. I see that battle quick. Now, I, now, now, listen, I'm not a cursing kind of guy. I used to be. God delivered me from that. Amen. And I don't, you know, you know, use my finger to send people to heaven either or anything like that. But I will tell you what. Y'all pray for me. My, my, my sin is that I will, like, pull up next to them and just be looking at them like, what you, man? Yeah. I'm like, I'm just, just look at me. And so I'm disciplining myself just to drive by and just be like, all right, I'm good, but glory to God. But I'm just saying. And so Jesus, is in that moment, he's not being the co-pilot, amen? I mean, he, he's being the co-pilot, not the pilot. And so for us, what, what should happen is Jesus needs to be the one leading my life. But you know what? If you're not in prayer, you're not in worship, you're not in communion, you're not in scripture, guess who's not leading you? See, the more time you spend in his presence, the more time you spend in his word, the more time you spend among his people, the more attuned your heart comes, the more aligned your heart becomes, the more you know this is God's will and this is not God's will. 
Amen? We're going to close our sermon there today. I got like 30 more minutes, but we're not going to do that to you today. Amen. Stand to your feet, please, and bow your heads with me. If you're in this place and you don't know Jesus, today you can put your faith in him. If you're in this place and you haven't committed your life to him, you can, you can make that commitment to him today. Recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Recognize that he died in your place so that way you would be able to have eternal life. Recognize that he wants to change your entire life. He doesn't want to just change your situations or your circumstances. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change your mind. He wants to change you. He wants to become the pilot of your life. He wants to be the leader of your life. And if you don't know him, today's your opportunity to put your faith in him. And if you've already put your faith in him, and you just know that there's just areas that he's not leading. There's areas in my life that I'm not even seeking his direction. There's areas in my life that I'm not even pursuing his will. If that's you in this place, then I, I call you to repent of that sin. Put your faith in him today. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much. Father, I thank you for every heart that is here today. I thank you for every life that is here today. And Spirit of God, I just pray that you would fill my brothers and my sisters, Lord God, with the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray for those in here that do not know you, God. May they commit to you today, Lord God. May they confess their sin to you today. May they recognize their need for you today, and may they trust you, Lord God. You are a good and merciful God, and you are there to save them to the uttermost, God. So, Lord, I pray that you would touch those hearts that need to turn from sin and unto you, Lord God, today. And I pray for those in this place, Lord God, that have put their faith in you and their trust in you, but, God, they recognize that there are areas in their life where you are not the pilot, Lord God. And they say, Lord, we want you to be the pilot. God, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your grace. Glorify yourself in their lives. I pray these things in Jesus' good name. And someone said, Amen. come on and give God a hand of praise. He's worthy. We're going to prepare to receive our tithes and our offerings today. So if you need an envelope, as the ushers are coming forward, just raise your hand really quickly. So if you need an envelope to put your tithes and your offerings in, the ushers can make sure they get you an envelope. There's a hand here in the front, two hands in the front. <clears throat> They're coming. Three hands. Keep your hand up so, they, so the way they can see you. Put them up.